Hello, this is Tim Conboy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. John 15. We're going to start, and by the way, okay, do this real quick. 1 Corinthians 13, put your bulletin in 1 Corinthians 13. I'll save you some time in, in a moment. 1 Corinthians 13, don't mark it. Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to start at the end of our text and then work back to the beginning and then read it. So, start in verse 17 of John 15. I know this is really strange. You go, this is so different. It's okay, it'll work. Jesus speaking, by the way, if you have red letter edition, you'll see it for the next three chapters. Three more chapters. Jesus speaking says, This is my command, singular, love each other. You see that? You all with me? John 15, 17. Now, verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Okay? It's important. I'm showing here the singularity of his command. Verse 9. Now let's read the text. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain. Now again, that's a bad word, a bad choice. Abide with. It means to live with. Go through life with the realization of my love. If you obey my command, should be singular. Yours may be like mine where it makes it commands, plural. Right? The etol, E-N-T-O-L-E in the Greek it's dependent on the context, whether it's plural or singular. And in the context, as we've seen in verse 12, verse 17, it's singular. Okay? And so, we, we are, why is that important? I'll tell you why it's important. I'm glad you asked. When we hear commands, especially God's commands, what's the first thing you think of? Ten Commandments, right? We go back to the Decalogue and we say, oh yeah, the Ten Commandments. If you obey my Commands, like he's talking about his Ten Commandments. No, he's not. It's command, and he tells us what his command is in the context. So we, we follow this. And by the way, as believers, when we are, are walking in and, and experiencing the love which he commands us to be in, we don't, it's not like you abandon the, the Ten Commandments. And this is a problem. People say, oh, you know, you're all about grace. That means, you know, it doesn't matter about. The, the commands of God. It does matter about it, you know. Thou shalt not steal still pertains to the old covenant as well as the new covenant, all right? It's not good to be doing that kind of stuff and so forth. But the if you look at the two tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, love God with all your heart. If you love God, you wouldn't do break those first five commands. You follow me? If you love people, you won't break the second five commands. But we're not called to keep the law. We've been delivered. It's, it's like the law is elementary school. In Christ, we now graduate up into uh, high school, if you will. It's kind of the idea. We're not just there learning our ABCs. Now we get to construct sentences. Now we get to learn more and expand it. Now we serve out of love. We don't just serve out of what we're being told like a child's being told. Do this, do that, clean your room, wash your dishes. You know, I don't know if they still do that stuff these days. But but you follow what I'm saying? So I want you to, to hear me correctly when you hear me speak of, of not being under the law. 
we, we are not under law. We are in Christ above the law, the scripture says, and we keep the holy law, the perfect law of liberty. And the perfect law of liberty is to love God and to love people. And he says, and if you do that, you could take all the law and the prophets and hang it on there. All right, you with me? So when he says, obey my command, it's actually singular, not commands. He says, okay, pick it up, 10. If you obey my command, you will remain, continue living in my love, just as I obeyed my father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or full or abundant. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. I mean, that's quite a statement, isn't it? Romans tells us outside of Christ that we are his enemies. Now he says, now you're my friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command. Now, it's not conditional in the sense that it's the idea because you do or since you do. You show yourself friendly. Now, verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you, or I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. So revelation, we have this revelation through this relationship with Christ. You did not choose me, but I chose you. He's talking to his apostles here now. And I appointed you to bear or to go and to bear fruit. Remember, we, that's the whole context. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Father, I ask your anointing and your blessing. I pray for your presence. I pray for your spirits moving. I ask, Lord, that you will fan the flame of our hearts that, that as the, the men in, on the road to Emmaus eventually said, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened up the word of God to us. So, Father, I ask that our hearts will get that spiritual heartburn again and start on being on fire for you and love you and focus on you and just be moved by your spirit. Just bless us now as we look into your word. Teach us, instruct us, move us, mold us, and make us into your son's image. We love you, Lord, and we ask you'll help us not just to love you, but to love people through you. And Father, we love you, thank you, and bless you in Jesus' holy and matchless name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. My message this morning is it's more than mushy stuff. It's more than mushy stuff. You say, well, why do you call it that? The reason is this. When I read through this and I saw the topic, love, I'm like, oh, not love. I mean, and I realized this is Jesus talking to 11 men on this topic of love. Now, listen, I enjoy talking to guys about hunting, about shooting, about cars, about trucks, about the outdoors, about sports, I even enjoy talking about ministry and the Lord, all right? But I do not, nor do most guys I know, do we talk about our feelings or what warms our heart or brings a tear to our eye or 
the latest drama movie that we had. Give me Godzilla. Okay, I'm good with that. Guys don't do that. Because we don't do mushy stuff. Amen. Amen. And we really don't do mushy stuff in public. And we don't talk about mushy stuff in public. As a matter of fact, some of my favorite commercials are Duluth. Anyone watch Duluth? You ever seen this one? Let's pull out this one video. And it's... Let's turn these lights down a little bit so they can really see it. How to hug a plumber. Roll it. Understand that, don't we, guys? Hey, D, D, are you okay, honey? It's all right. Everyone, relax. She'll be okay. Let's stretch our hands out to D, Father. In Jesus' name, we just pray for D. You know what she's going through right now, and we rebuke anything that would just be antagonizing her or affecting her right now. Just touch her body, bring her out of this. And Father, use us and use your spirit. And in Jesus' name, we ask, Lord, to just raise her up and strengthen her. Amen. 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 Folks will be attending to her. You okay? There she is. AD. It's okay. My sermons do that to many people. It's okay. You can keep praying. Keep praying for
Amen, amen. Amen. John, do you do you need to do you need to go or anything, John, or are you gonna Okay. Okay, buddy. She'll be okay. She's she's awake now and uh, aware of her surroundings. Tell you, some people do anything to get out of church. <laughs> That's okay. We love we love Dee. God's done a miracle in her life. Remember how God healed her neck where she had her surgery and that neck brace and just like that through answer prayer, God touched her, healed her, and uh, and uh, delivered her from that. And whatever she's dealing with right now. Lord will show the doctors. And Father, we do pray that. We pray that you will show the doctors, give them wisdom, give them understanding of what her needs are. And Father, we pray uh, for the treatment, that whatever it takes, Lord, that, that you would just heal her, that the hand of God would rest on her. Encourage Ricky, let him know everything will be fine. And encourage John, Lord, let him know everything will be fine, that you are the God that's in control, and this does not take you by surprise. So Lord, in Jesus' name, we just lift her in your presence again. Amen. 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 You never know what the day will bring forth, do you? You never know. And I'm sure when she came in today, she had no uh, idea that she would be having to be taken out in, a, in an ambulance. But you know what? Except for the grace of God, there goes us, right? So it could be anyone. So we need to just keep them in prayer and keep lifting them before the Lord. Where were we? <laughs> and by the way, I don't know how that was, they noticed. Um, Tom, what's your wife's name? Diane. You told me that once, and and I more than once, right? <laughs> right. Uh, 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 it's okay, Tom. It's okay. I'm healing. I'm healing. You know how I remember Tom's name? Because I was at Menards in the plumbing department. And I didn't, give, I didn't give him a hug. But I didn't recognize him out of, or in his uniform stuff. So I took a picture. And I have him. There's Tom. And so, uh, so I look it up. And my wife says, who's that? I go, that's Tom. That's how I'm learning his name right there. And so, uh, But Don, Diane wasn't at work that day, so I didn't get your picture. Diane, thanks for seeing what was going on and, and assisting others as well. And uh, I didn't even notice it until someone had moved. So praise the Lord, coming, coming to our rescue, being there to help us. And so that's what it's about. Tom, uh, you saw that video, Tom. What do you think? Was that an accurate depiction of how to hug a plumber? Yeah, not, not going there. Okay, Gene Voiles would probably say <laughs> the no whispering parts. <laughs> I show that because... We guys get it. We get that, don't we, guys? <laughs> and when it comes to this topic, love, we go, click. I'm not, we're not going to talk about that stuff in public. It's hard enough as, as Christians, once we're saved, uh, you know, we start experiencing the love of God, and, and, and we're not afraid to give a guy a hug. And it's usually pat, one pat, two pat, no rubbing, just pat. Bump, bump, step away. You're good, all right? But when I look at this text, I think of who is speaking it and to whom he's speaking it. Jesus is the most manly man that I know. Right, guys? 
I mean, I could not have taken the beating he took. I could not have voluntarily done it that he did. He could have called 72,000 angels to protect him. You know, I could have called 12 legions of angels, but he didn't. He was the manly man that I know of. And he's talking to 11 guys who were also manly men. These guys are fishermen. Jesus grew up when his dad was a carpenter, so most likely he knew carpentry trade as well. These guys are fishermen. They're outdoorsmen. They're old salts. One guy was a uh, tax collector, so he's an IRS agent. I mean, these, that's who they were. These, that's who they were, right? This, this is a, a room full of norms. Preston's, Dan, Chuck, outdoorsy guys. These are flannel shirt guys, right? And Jesus is talking to them. And he says, listen, guys, I want to tell you the pinnacle of Christianity. I want to tell you where it's at. And I want to tell you this, and, and I want you to get a hold of this truth. And it circles around one word, and it's called love. Most of us guys, and even in this room, as soon as you heard, oh, love, oh, good night, click, we change to another channel. But when I look at this and I realize who it is is saying it and to whom he's saying it, I had to say, wait a minute, maybe I better sit up and take notice. What is it that Jesus is telling these disciples uh, concerning this topic of love? And why does he tell them this? As a matter of fact, one of the first things that we're going to, we're going to giddy up right on through this. One of the first things I notice, because listen, I made a resolution this year, 1030, 1230, you know, just kidding. First thing I notice, did you notice that this is a direct order? Verse 17, this is my command. Literally means a direct order. I command you love one another. Verse 12, this is my command. Love one another as I love you. Verse 10, if you obey my command, love one another. Remain in that love. Live in that love. Abide in it. Go through life with a realization in your mind of my love for you. And as you walk and abide in my love for you, you will then be able to express my love for you to other people. And he says that to you guys. He says each other. That The word each other means reciprocal. Now guys know what a reciprocal saw is, don't we? It's a saw that goes like this. Goes back and, by the way, did you know, a little trivia, it was a woman who invented a circular saw. Because they used to cut just like this, and when they did, they could only cut one direction down, and it was not very productive. So a woman designed a circular saw. It always cut as it moved. It continually cut. Now you know. <laughs> now, he lays this out. He says, this is my command to you guys. They understand commands. They understand being told what to do. I don't know about you, but I'm the type, I want to be told what's expected of me. All right? Ladies, your husband's the same way. We can't read minds. We're not really good at facial expressions. We're not really good at innuendos or insinuations. We're not, we can't read the tea leaves. Just tell us what to do. And we'll be glad to do it. All right? We need to know. Jesus knows who he's talking to. He's like, 11 guys. All right, guys, listen. This is it. 
I am commanding you. It is my command that you love one another. It's not a warm, fuzzy suggestion. It's not a mushy idea if you feel like it. It is not some nebulous thought to open up a discussion group amongst the 11. He says, no, five times he says, command, 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 command. By the way, five is the number of grace. Isn't that interesting? The number of grace says, this is what is expected of you men. And then nine times in eight verses, he uses the word love. (laughs) Nine times. Eight verses. Love one another. Now, when I look at this, I can imagine how antsy these guys must have been. And, you know, like, well, that's kind of weird. I don't know about doing that. They didn't have the advantage of having the rules demonstrated in a video, you know. They had to just say, all right, this, you're commanding us to, to love. The word is agapeo. Now, fortunately, in the Greek, there's different words for love, unlike our sloppy English. Our English is so sloppy. I mean, it's just, ah. But, you know, they, they, they have eros, your romantic love. They got phileo, your brotherly love. Uh, and and, and they, they have agape, God's kind of love. And that's our word here, agapeo. So he's, he's not telling them, hey, you know, have this romantic type fuzzy love with, he's like, no. He goes, I want you to have God's kind of love. Agapeo each other. And, and it's not expected from the other guy. No, you show God's love to that person. You show God's love to this world. And so Jesus lays out and said, men, if you want to be effective, if you want to bear fruit that is abiding and lasting fruit, if you want to be in tune with the Father, he says, you must love each other. You must learn to love each other. I see this, and, and again, because of the, the talking with men and, and laying out the command, it said, in a sense, it's a directive. You know, I, I see it as like teaching soldiers camaraderie, how to, how to have each other's back. As a matter of fact, he'll say that no greater love is any man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. In other words, we would say they would take a bullet for the other person. So Jesus lays it out. He says, guys, you have to have such a relationship with each other that you're willing to take a bullet for the other guy, that you're willing to lay your life down for the other guy, that you're always thinking about the other guy's need, not your own need. John, we love you guys. Ricky, we're praying for you. Just know that. And so when we come to this text and we begin to work through it, he said, listen, guys, our natural tendency is to bristle at a command and say, don't tell me what to do. But he's telling these guys like soldiers, all right, guys, listen, you got to learn to stick together. you got to learn to get each other's back. you got to be willing to take a bullet for that other guy if that's what you have to do. You have to love one another unconditionally, without strings attached, to be out there and say, what's in your best interest that I could do to help you? That's what he's telling these men here. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have to say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do but your spirit's got to do it through me. Your word's got to show me how to do this. And your grace has to empower me to do it. Because if the spirit doesn't show me how to do it, then I'll do it the way I think it should be done. Let me tell you something, I'll mess up. If the word lays out, this is how it, what it looks like. This is how it's done. Then I can see and say, okay, I, I learn by seeing. Hearing, okay, and seeing even better. And, and, and then, when, when His grace empowers me, well, now I have the power to do what He calls me to do. Listen, that's what grace is all about. Grace is not just about saving us. 
Grace is about empowering us and growing us and making us and conforming us into the image of his son. So I gotta say, Lord, I need your grace, man. You gotta do this to will and to do of your good pleasure because I'm not really good at this. I'm not really uh, able to do this. And God says, I know. That's why I wanna show you how it's done. I want you to know what it looks like. Verse nine, he says, it looks like this. As the Father loved me, And it looks like this. And as I have loved you. He said, that's what it looks like. Look back over this past three years together and see what I've done. Look back over, you think of why did the Father for God so love the world that he sent me here to rescue you? When you think of that love and you start thinking of God's love and and start listing it, I would say, first of all, when it comes to God's love for his son, It was an exclusive love. This is my only begotten son in whom I'm well pleased. God's love for his son was an exclusive love. You say, well, how can it be exclusive for me when there's so many hundreds and thousands and millions of Christians? But the fact of the matter is, God's love for you is an exclusive love as if you were the only child. That's how much God loves you. As Glenn says, your picture's on his refrigerator, right? I like that. You're you're right there. He treats you just like you were the only son. He goes, the same way the Father has loved me. Well, the Father loved Jesus with exclusive love. And he is able also to use that exclusivity. Boy, these big words. I'm really, that's okay. That's my speaking in tongues. I can't even, you know, the big words. His exclusivity, tivity, whatever, is for you. He's like, you're, it's like you're my only child. Everything's focused on you. And, and, and what I'm going to do in you and the work I'm going to do in you. Or what about that one? Don't worry. I'm going to treat them the same exact way. God's love for his son was an exclusive kind of love. It was an unconditional love. His son did not earn it. He didn't have to deserve it. For God so loved the world, he sent his son. Uh, they, the world did not deserve it. It was not conditional. He sent his son anyways. His son, love for his son as well as love for the world is an unconditional love. He said, listen, you don't deserve this but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to pour my love on you. I want you to live in that realization of the kind of love that I have. It was a very public love. He publicly proclaimed, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Some thought it was thunder. Some said it was angels. Some said they didn't know what it was. But others knew that was God. They knew God was talking. Listen, some people will get it. Some people won't get it. Some people will never get it. But that's okay. We're still called to understand God's love and to embrace that love. And God says to us, I love you publicly. I'm not afraid to let others know how much I love you. And by the way, dads, what a great lesson for us with our kids. Don't be afraid to let others know that you love your kids in public. Now, when it depends on what height they're at. When they're this high, you can kiss on them. When they're this high, you can't, you know. My kids are like... Come at me. You know, if you're in public and, and dad goes to give, give your son a kiss, you go, and they're like, Dude. even the teenage girls, are like, come on, man, I'm ready. I, I remember one time dropping the kids off one time, and I waited till I got halfway to the, between me and the school, blasted the horn, love you guys. <laughs> they just, <laughs> they didn't look. Maybe because I had a 
banana yellow Ford Fairmont. <laughs> hey, it was free. It was free. Yeah, they, yeah. Don't do it that way. But discreetly, publicly, say, you know, let them hear you say how much you love them. Tell you what, that's, that's huge. I sat with my dad yesterday and the day before and to hear him say how proud he is or how much he loves me. When you know he's only got you know, a short time left, and uh, that's huge. God's not afraid to publicly let you know how much he loves you. When he came to his son, the father totally loved his son. You know, all of the father's love is in his son, every single ounce of his love. There is not one more ounce of God's love that is not found in his son. God loved his son. All of his love is found in his son. Outside of his son, there is no love left. He goes, no, all my love is in my son. If you have my son, you have all of my love. If you do not have my son, you do not have all of my love. All right? People say, well, God is love. How can a loving God send anyone to hell? Listen, our loving God doesn't want to send anyone to hell. He wants to send us to heaven. And he says, and in order to do that, I want you to receive my son because that is the totality of my love. When you have my son, you have my love. Father's love is a total love. His love for you is total love, unabashed, totally given to you. Father's love is a sacrificial love. He lost something that you and I would gain something. And he lost, actually, he lost something that you and I would gain everything. Yeah, to gain everything. We who had nothing now gain everything because he who had everything was willing to give it all away. And Jesus totally gave himself, emptied himself of all but love, we say. Now he didn't give away his deity. He was always God in the flesh. But he gave away his glory. He gave it in the sense that he laid that aside and he says, I will let the creature crucify the creator. That that rocks my boat when I think of that. That the creature was allowed to kill the creator so that the creator could forever forgive the creature and could save him and give us eternal life. Sacrificial love. So when I read this text, and he says, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I realize the question comes and begs to be answered, who am I more concerned about? Who am I more concerned about? Am I more concerned about my friends or am I more concerned about myself? You see, love is not found simply in what we do, but why we do it. We can do some things that are very selfish, but it looks very good to other people, (laughs) You know, when I think of Jesus going to the cross, it said, Scripture says, for the joy that was set before him. Matter of fact, we read joy in our context. Matter of fact, later you're going to read about peace. You got love, joy, peace. Fruits of Spirit are laid out right here in, in God, John's Gospel here. So, but he said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, do you think that means that Jesus had joy thinking of this gruesome death he was going to die? Do you think it, the joy came from the act? No. It came from the accomplishment of that act. What that act would accomplish, it was a joy for him to do the Father's will because the Father wanted to save us. And he said, Lord, if this is what you want, I'll do whatever you want. And I will die, not simply because they deserve it. They don't. I'll die because you want me to die so that you can save them. 
Wow, he says, I will go to that cross joyfully because I know it's what you want. I know you want your creation, your men, your women, your boys, your girls. You want them to be forever forgiven through my sacrifice. You want them to live with you forever and eternity. That's going to be pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. That's going to be awesome, man. It's like, man. Now, still no rubbing or whispering when you get there, but it's going to be awesome, right? So I say, how do I, how do I wrap my head around this, Lord? How do I know if I have this love that you have that I should have? And that's where we're just going to flip real quick, 1 Corinthians 13. We're just going to work down through a couple of these verses, and, and then that'll be the gist of our text. But 1 Corinthians 13, as you know, is the love chapter. We usually hear it at weddings and so forth, but you know what? This chapter could have been read to the men there in the upper room, these 11 apostles. And he begins in chapter 13, says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. Now, King James, I think will translate it charity. It's agapeos, or same word. Have not love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I called Norm up here and said, Norm, would you mind getting into the Holy of Holies there and play for us a solo on that cymbal? How many would enjoy a cymbal solo a three-minute cymbal solo. Now, I would enjoy watching Norm and Corey do that. You know. But let me tell you, after a while, you know when they do the... You know that stuff? They don't just go... You know, for 10 minutes. You'd be going, like, oh, good night. He goes, but that's what it's like. In other words, it's not about how skilled you are. You could have the tongues of men and angels. But if you don't have this, you're like a symbol solo out there. After a while, people are like, wow, I just can't take any more of that. He goes on to say, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith, look at this kind of faith, that can move a mountain. That's pretty cool faith, huh? Mountain be up and cast in the sea. But he says, but if I have not love, I am nothing. No thing. It's not about how skilled you are. It's not how about, about how spiritually gifted you are. I know some very spiritually gifted people, some very spiritually gifted pastors that had the personality of a styrofoam cup. You ever met them? I'm like, wow. They show no love. They show no connection, but they got all the answers. They seem to have amazing faith. They could unravel the mysteries of the Scripture. And yet, they're like this. And I don't know what kind of personality Styrofoam Cup has, but I don't mean to insult them. <laughs> if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, if I have not love, I gain nothing. Right? He says, so it's not about how skilled you are. It's not about how spiritually gifted you are. It's not about how charitable you are. Wow, look at all this I've given away. I will even jump into the flames and give myself. He's like, yeah, that's nice. If you don't have the love that God is speaking about here, 
God's kind of love for other people. He goes, you are nothing. You gain nothing. You have nothing. You get the idea? And so I say, well, what kind of love do I have? Well, let's take the test as we close. First of all, agapeo, love is patient. So ask yourself as I ask me, hmm, am I patient? You ever pray, Lord, give me patience and hurry? I need it. Love is kind. Am I kind? Or can I be mean? Can I be coarse with people? Can I be hard on others? Or am I kind? Love does not envy. Someone said, what's the difference between being covetous and envious? To covet means you want what someone else has. You know, they get a, a new car, and you covet that. Man, I wish that was my car. That's coveting. Envious is you want who someone else is. I wish I was them. Um, that's envious. Envious means, man, I wish I was in their shoes. I wish I was the one receiving all that, whatever it is they're receiving. And so he says, envy or love, understanding that love doesn't wish you had what they have, covetous, nor does it envy them and say, I wish I was in their shoes. Because what, what we're doing when we say that you wish you were somebody else, it means that whatever God's doing in your life is not adequate. What he's doing in their life is adequate. That's what I want. I don't want what God's showing, that love he's showing to me. No, that's not good. I, I need to be a different person. The one over there is getting all God's love, you know. They're like God's favorite child over there. He says, it's not God's kind of love. It's not boastful. Do I boast about things? And with that, he says, not prideful. It's not proud. There's an old country song. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Can't wait to look in the mirror and get better looking each day. Some people are humble and proud of it. That's not what he's talking about. This kind of love's not rude. You met rude people, so I say, am I rude? It's not self-seeking. In other words, looking for something for self. In other words, do I always want the bigger piece? I want the better seat? Do I have to have the nicest one? You know, I heard a great lesson that a mother who had two boys and there was less cake there. It was down to just a very small, just enough for each of them. And she had one of them cut the cake, but the other one picked the piece. And if you're cutting the cake for yourself, somehow it got real narrow for the other guy. But when you cut the piece and the other one gets first dibs, man, you're like with an exacto knife. Right? He said, God's love doesn't do that. Not easily angry. Hmm, do I have temper issues? I do. Got to examine it. It does not record a wrong. Do I hold a grudge? Do I have family members that I don't talk to? Do I have church members that I turn from when I see them? Do I have attitudes that I hold? Is there still an issue that I'm more than happy to talk about? So it's not, we, we don't pass the test. But he goes on to say, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. Do I rejoice in truth or does it matter to me? 
He goes on to say, it always protects. Do I protect others or do I just protect myself? He said, it always trusts. Is our first inclination to be cynical or to trust a person? Now, people prove themselves to be untrustworthy. I understand that. It's not what he's talking about here. He said, but what's your, what's your nature? Is your nature not to trust people? I tell you what, the, the, it's happening more in our culture today, isn't it? And I hate to say it, but I, I think the government almost is doing it to us because we don't trust, I don't, maybe I shouldn't pay, I don't trust what's going on around here. I don't trust what they say anymore in the news. I don't tr- and you know what? i got to be careful because that attitude can spill over in me and then I can get to where I don't trust other people. God says, be careful of that. Until they prove themselves untrustworthy, be someone that trusts people. Take them at their word. It always hopes. Do I always hope or am I always discouraged? It always perseveres. In other words, it doesn't give up. You see, here's the problem. When I took this test and went through there and I asked all the, is that me questions? When I looked through, I saw how much I fell short of saying, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm doing good, doing good. Instead, I looked through it and I said, boy, Lord, that's not me. You need to help me in this area of love. But God, but let me tell you something. God's goal is not to help you improve your love for other people. His goal is not to help you to improve your love. His goal is for you to scrap your love. Get rid of your love. Because your love and my love is a different kind of love. He says, get rid of that phileo love and use the agapeo love. Use Micah and say, okay, if I can't use Micah, because it fell short of every one of these test questions, then, I, Lord, I need to use yours. He goes, I know you do. <laughs> and the only way you're going to be able to do that is you ask me for it. And my spirit will infuse you both to will and to do. And my word will enlighten you and show you how to do it. And he says, and my grace will strengthen you to do it. And I'll get to, and you will get to a point as God continues to work through, we will, we will learn to do it when we feel like it. Do it when we don't feel like it. And do it until we do feel like it. That's how God keeps working through us. Learning how to express a kind of love. And by the way, I just close by saying the benefits are enormous. He says, in, if you live in this kind of love and learn to be more concerned about others than you are about yourself, he says, my joy is going to be full looking at you and watching you, and your joy is going to abound because you're going to say, wow, I can't believe it. I mean, let's face it. When you minister to someone else, thinking that you're going to help them, you walk away with more joy in your heart than you even expected. You go, wow, I feel like I've been ministered to. I feel like I was the one that was blessed, and I went to be a blessing to them, and I always walk away full. The Lord says, yeah, that's how it works. He goes, the more you give away, the bigger your love gets. The more you put yourself out there, the broader the scope of your love will become. And he says, and you will walk away with the joy. That's one of the benefits of living by this kind of love. And he says, and you also walk away with the joy of understanding the relationship we're in. He says, that's why I don't call you servants. He goes, you order your servants around. Yeah, I gave you a directive here. I gave you a lawful order, but I'm not ordering you servants. I'm telling you as friends. As friends. For servants don't know what the master's doing, but the friends, he reveals himself. By the way, what an interesting word, philos, we get our word fellow, P-H-I-L-O-S in the Greek, philos. Very interesting word. It doesn't simply mean a friend. It means a best friend. 
one who stands up at the wedding for you. And in their culture, what was fascinating, the groom did not ask the bride-to-be to marry him. The one getting married did not ask, will you marry me? Instead, the philos asked, will you marry this man? Sounds like a good plan to me, isn't it? <laughs> well, I get your feelings hurt. Tell, tell my buddy. <laughs> you tell him, he'll tell me. <laughs> That's what Abraham did, right? Abraham sent his servant to get Rebekah and asked for her hand uh, for Isaac. Right? That's what this word means. He says, I call you Philos. And then he says, go and bring forth much fruit. So the groom, Jesus, ask us as best friends. I want you to go and ask their hand in marriage. Ask them, will you accept Jesus? Jesus, will you accept them? Jesus says, oh yes, all the Father gives me, I will in no wise cast them out. But the question is not, will Jesus accept this bride? But will this person except being the bride of the Savior. Interesting term he uses, isn't he? He goes, you are my best friends. You are the ones I'm trusting to go ask them for their hand in marriage. Great, great evangelistic missionary title he gives them. And he says, now, learn to love the other person. And if you do, you will find your joy will be full. What a, what a challenge. By the way, he said, if you do whatever you ask the Father, it will be done unto you. Do I know my wrong thinking when I read that? My first thinking was this. Hmm, boy, what do I need? What do I need? Because whatever I ask the Father, he'll do it for me. Hmm, what do I need? Until I kept reading it, and it's like, no, Tim, no, Tim, no, Tim. It's not what do I need. It's what do they need. When you love the other person, your prayer life changes whatsoever you ask, it'll be done for you. What, not what do you ask for yourself. What do you ask for them? What do we ask for D? Right here. He says, we ask, whatever we ask, it'll be done. You see, it changes the full focus and direction of our prayer life, doesn't it? Not, oh man, that's great, because I sure need it. Verse 7 will say it, verse 16 will say it. Yeah, I sure need a few things. He's like, no, no, no. When you have this kind of love, your prayer says, what do they need? And I'll pray for that. Father, as we close out our time, teach us, bless us, guide us, use us. And oh Lord, help us. (laughs) Help me. How in the world could you think that you could do anything with me? When you look down and save me to think that you could use me, The psalmist said, what is man that thou art mindful of me? What do you think about me, Lord? I I, I fight back, I resist, I'm not good at these things. I fall short of the test when I take it. But Lord, it's never been about me and it can't be about me. It's all about you. So do what you want to do and do it through me this morning. And do it through each of us. Help us to readjust our focus. Help us to grasp this thing. Help the men as these disciples, the manly men, to get a hold of this and be the first ones to get out there and see what they can do out of a heart of love and relationship to others to say, how can I help you? How can I help you? In Jesus' name.